glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Whosoever believeth... By the way, let me just pause here and say that is a present tense word. You're going to see that uh, throughout. Uh, a lot of people speak of their faith in Christ as something they did. There was a time when I believed on Him. Well, if you did, then you do. <laughs> and don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. If you did, then you do. In fact, it might be better to look at it this way. I remember in my own life a time when I was doubting, perhaps to some degree, my salvation. And I was challenged with, well, who are you trusting to save you from your sins? Without any hesitation, well, I'm trusting Jesus Christ. And I wanted to be saved from my sins. I wasn't doubting because I thought, well, I don't want to be saved. I, I did desire that. And the question was, well, who are you trusting? Well, I'm trusting Jesus Christ. Well, when did you start doing that? Well, for me, that goes back to when I was a four-year-old little boy and I came to the, to the point of understanding if I don't trust him, he won't save me. But if I do trust him enough to put my trust in him and let him know I trust him, he's promised to save me. And I remember the relief as a little boy that flooded my soul. If I'll turn to Jesus Christ, he promised he had saved me. And I knew it was true because it came from him. And that's when I began to trust him, but I didn't stop. Amen? Now, who's preserved my faith in him, me or he? He. He is the author and the finisher. Amen? So... Believing in Christ is not something you did, it's something you do, amen? There was a point when you started and we never, the true believer doesn't cease to believe in him, amen? We continue, he preserves our faith. Uh, By the way, I don't believe in the perseverance of the saints, I believe in the perseverance of the Savior. He will not cease to preserve our faith in him. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Again, not believeth that Jesus was, believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6, this is he. Now it's going to start specifically speaking about who Jesus is as the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. What John's dealing with here, and don't get lost in the details. We'll seek to break this down and understand what's being said God has verified to our consciences through a number of testimonies that Jesus Christ is truly His Son. That He's not just what the world would call Him. He's not merely, uh, he's not merely a good man. He's not merely a good example. Uh, he's not any of those. He is the Son of God, meaning 
He is the fullness, as the Word of God says, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's nothing lacking in the attributes of God that is not... There's nothing in the attributes and character of God that is not in Jesus Christ because He's God in the flesh. Hebrews 1, looking over these verses today, Hebrews 1 says that the Lord said unto His own Son, O God, Thy throne endureth forever. Jehovah God calls Jesus Christ the Son God. Amen. I love that text of Scripture, Hebrews 1, uh, 5 through 8. And so God has given a number of, of evidences that Jesus is who He claimed to be, that Jesus is who the Spirit of God has recorded Him to be in the Bible. It's the Spirit that bears witness. And where do we have the witness and testimony of the Holy Spirit? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, so on and so forth. The Bible says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible is the product of the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, how can you know that what was told about Jesus is true? Here's what happens. The people John's writing to, there were, there were seducers coming in redefining who Jesus is. We have to deal with that today. People redefining the person of Jesus Christ. If you ask a Jehovah's Witness today who is Jesus, they would say, oh, he's the Son of God. Well, explain what that means. Well, that means he's a man that came from God, but he's not God. In fact, they so believe that they changed their Bible to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. No, that's not the case. He's God who became man. That's very clear in Scripture. But the Jehovah's Witnesses seek to redefine what the Son of God means. And so the the LDS today would say that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are each a God, but not one God. All right? There's redefinition of who Jesus is. I know some people today claim to be fundamentalists, but will question, I said claim, question the sinlessness of Christ or question that he did not lay aside his deity. He laid aside some of his uh, uh, some of his power and might in order to experience what we experience. But Jesus never ceased to be God. That's why as a two-year-old he was worshipped by wise men. Never ceased to be God. And so then there's much attack. May I say this? If you can unravel who Jesus is, every other doctrine unravels. Every teaching in the Bible is hinged upon who Jesus Christ is. The doctrine of creation hinges on who Jesus is. The doctrine of the home. Remember that a husband and wife are typical of Jesus Christ in the church? The doctrine of the home comes unraveled if you take away who Jesus is. If you can get someone to, uh, to, to be confused about who Jesus is, the doctrine of sin changes. You see, Jesus is the glory of God. He is the measure of righteousness. So the doctrine of sin changes. The doctrine of the local church changes if you change who Jesus is. The doctrine of salvation changes if you change who Jesus is. The doctrine of the second coming or of things to come changes if you change. I'm telling you, every doctrine in our Bible, the entire doctrine of God, theology, is entirely skewed if you change who Jesus is. It's no wonder John is saying, you've got to get this right. These seducers coming in among you saying that Jesus is someone different than God already declared him to be. You need to get a hold of this. So he's going to say some things that are going to going to solidify that God has given a record to mankind as to who Jesus truly 
is. I, 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 I have something on our website now as far as how people can go to hear about salvation. And what I, what I state, the direction I decided to take is the most important question you'll ever answer. And that is this. What will you do with Jesus Christ? What you do with Jesus Christ will determine everything. It will determine your time and eternity. Because he is the chief cornerstone. He is our creator. He is our intercessor. There's no access to God outside of him. And so it's vitally important we understand who he is and that we believe the record that God gave of his son. So let's consider uh, three things about the record of Jesus Christ, the record of who he is, beginning in verse 6. Number one, the record is declared. We have a declaration of the record in verse 6. It says, this is he. Verse 5 says, who is he that overcometh the world? but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Why, by the way, why would we believe that? I want to I get this in a right perspective. Many treat the Christian faith, I'm talking about biblical faith in Jesus Christ, as a, a religion that was started like other world religions. Meaning men either developed the faith or discovered the faith. Our faith was neither developed by men nor discovered by men. It was delivered to men. You know, there's a difference there. When you discover something, it's been buried or lost and left by someone else. When you develop something, you've imagined and been creative. But when you have something delivered to you, it is something that you receive. It's not something you stir up. It's not something you find. The faith that we have, Jude verse 3 says, was once delivered to the saints. God told men who Jesus is, and so believing it is literally believing God. The person that says, I know God, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ is a liar. They may not know they're a liar, but they are. Because what they're saying is, God said Jesus is his son. God said he's the only way of salvation. But I either believe that God didn't say that, or I believe that God is a liar. The fact of the matter is you cannot know God outside of personal belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And so then the declaration of the record, verse 6 says this, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is true. Okay, we have a couple of fellows here that say they're called to preach. So Hunter, Braden, Kaysen, I want you guys to come take over here. What in the world does he mean in verse 6? By water and by blood. Now, if you study your Bible, where's the first place your mind goes if he talks about blood and water? It goes to the cross, does it not? When they pierced his side, water and blood came out. They tell us that was the product of a bursted heart, but we don't hear that in the Bible. It just says water and blood came out. Now, I believe that the Spirit of God put that in the Bible. There's good reason for it, but I believe there's more to it than that. Every, every faithful Bible commentator that I look to had the same... The same assessment, I believe that's exactly what's being said here. If you think about Jesus and water, let's, let's go away from the cross and go a little earlier. What, what uh, very important aspect of his ministry would be identified by water? His baptism. His baptism. That was the beginning of his earthly ministry. What marked the beginning of his earthly ministry? His water baptism. What marked the end of his earthly ministry? His blood. Let me try to show you something from the Bible about his water and his blood. And this is not stretching scripture. It's actually consistent with what else the Lord Jesus said 
about what baptism represented. Remember, in I believe it's Matthew chapter 20, James and John ask if they can sit on his right hand and his left. Because they want to be the most important in the kingdom. And he said, are you able to be what? Baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Now, the baptism is water. <laughs> the cup, what do we represent when we take the cup? Is blood. He said, are you able to drink of my cup, the suffering I'm going to have to go through, and the shedding of my blood, and the baptism, the death, burial, and resurrection, are you able to do that? They hadn't a clue what he was talking about. But when he says his baptism and his cup, you know what he's referring to? His water and his blood. The water and the blood. Now, I believe there's a twofold aspect here, and when you start studying what false teachers teach about Jesus, you'll understand why John says this. Because he goes on to say, verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. What does he say next? Not by water only, but by water and blood. How many false religions would say this? People that would claim to be Christian. Jesus came to show us how humanity should be. He came to set a good example, and as long as you follow Jesus, you're on your path to heaven. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? May I tell you something tonight? And we independent Baptists need to be reminded of this. You don't get to heaven by following Jesus. Well, yes, you do. No, you don't. You get to heaven by him taking you there. You follow him because he saved you. But you don't follow him so that he will save you. Don't misunderstand me. I say, you follow him because he saved you. You don't follow him so he will save you. Following his works. My obedience to Jesus Christ are my works for him. We are not saved by works. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Listen, if Jesus is going to reward you with salvation for how you followed him, you can boast for what a good follower you were. But the Bible says, Not by works, lest any man should boast. You realize there's one thing that will be absolutely absent in heaven, and that is men who boast. All there'll be in heaven is worship. That is bragging and boasting on Jesus Christ, but there'll be no boasting. Well, I'm here because I didn't know. I believe we get to heaven and we'll say, man, oh, he was worthy of so much more. You with me tonight? John's saying, not by water only. There are those who teach he came by water only, meaning... At his baptism, he told... Turn here with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3. He told John that it, that it became him and became them to fulfill all righteousness. His baptism, similar to ours after we've been saved, was a statement of his submission to the will of God the Father for his life. What does baptism picture? What does it portray? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did it not portray the same thing for him? as he was immersed under the water and brought back up, was it not a picture of what he came to accomplish? Not for his own sins. We get baptized to show that our sins have been washed away by his death, burial, and resurrection. And that through his death, burial, and resurrection, our old sinful man who's worthy of death is dead in him. We are raised as new creatures to walk in the newness of life. That's not what it represented for him. For him, it represented his submission to the will of the Father to die in our place, to be buried and to raise again. 
Now, I would say this, it's wonderful to get baptized, but is that the end of your Christian life or the beginning? That's just the beginning. You know what? Stephen got baptized, I'm sure, after he got saved. But when the blood of his martyrdom was shed, you know what it was a testimony to? His sincere faith in Jesus Christ. Not just water, water and blood. You know what? Jesus' water and blood is a testimony to not only a submitted will, but a finished work. The water was a picture of his submission to the will of the Father, his own divine will, if you would, to come and offer himself and die and be buried in our place. At the onset of his ministry, he says, I'm willing to do this, but the shed blood shows that he did it. That's why not by water only. He was not just willing to come and do the will of the Father. He did it. He wasn't just willing to drink the cup. He drank it. That's why these things are given as a testimony. His water baptism shows that he is the Son of God. His shed blood shows that he is truly the Son of God. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord, I am in Matthew 2. I thought man saw me right there. Verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Verse 16, And when and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father testifies from heaven with an audible voice upon the baptism of Jesus because of what that picture. It pictured Jesus saying, I hereby submit myself to death and burial and resurrection from the dead to accomplish salvation for man. But then if we go to John chapter 19, you find that the blood is speaking of his finished work on the cross in paying fully for our sins. Jesus not only submitted to do what he came to do, he did it and finished it. John chapter 19, verse 30. May I say this? When we continue to try to offer gods to, to offer things to God to atone for our sins, what we are saying, whether we intend to or not, is that the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross is not enough. That his shed blood did not sufficiently pay for my sins, so I must redeem and atone for myself as well. No, no. What he did is sufficient. John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Look in verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Don't you believe that the blood and water there are symbolic of his submission and his sacrifice? The water, symbolic of his submission to the will of the Father. The blood, a picture and a token. Uh, the sh- Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Jesus did not merely need to come and offer up a sinless life. He also had to offer up his blood. He not only needed to suffer persecution, he had to suffer a bloody death. He had to shed his blood because that's the requirement of God's law which so typifies the horrors of sin. You do not overcome sin merely by a good life. 
If so, if Jesus came by water only, by the water baptism, we'd say, well, that's what saves us. We, we commit ourselves. Listen here. You don't commit yourself to get saved. You commit your salvation to Jesus Christ, meaning you entrust it to Him. Paul said, and I know whom, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. If you use a bank and you go put your money in the bank, you know what you're doing? You're committing it to them. You are entrusting them to keep it safe for you. When you say, you know what? I am saved by committing myself to God, meaning I have purposed, I'm going to try to live a life of obedience to God. That will not save you. Jesus came not by water only, but by water and blood. His sinless life was offered up to God. According to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, He offered Himself up to us as a sweet-smelling savor to God. If you offered yourself up to God, God would say, I don't want that filthy, dirty, nasty sacrifice tarnished with sin. When Jesus offered up Himself, He offered Himself as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, He offered Himself to God, a perfect, sinless human being. If that's what God requires, perfect sinlessness on part of mankind, who outside of Jesus could offer it? Not one. He said to you tonight, salvation of all humanity depends on you and your obedience to God. What would happen to humanity? And die and go to hell if it's dependent on us. But God said to the Son, salvation of humanity is fully dependent upon you. And he was baptized and said, I submit to that. And then he shed his blood in submission to it. And the work he started at his baptism, he finished on the cross of Calvary. If that doesn't make you happy tonight, you need to get saved. <laughs> or get excited about the fact that you are. <laughs> Amen? And because he finished what he started, and that's what John means, not by, I believe it, not by water only, but by water and the blood, not only by a submitted will to the work of salvation, but the finished work. And so then the declaration of the record is there in verse 6. The blood and the water are a testimony that he's the Son of God. That's what it declares. His blood and his water declare him to be God, the Christ, the anointed of God, anointed with the oil of gladness, Hebrews 1 says, above his fellows. That's why the angels are told to worship him. All right, so number two, we've seen the declaration of the record, verse 6, the documentation of the record. So his own water baptism and shed blood tell us who he is. He's the Savior. Yeah? But then God's given some witnesses to say that's true. All right, verse, back to First John chapter 5. The primary witness called to the stand, all right? So the, 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 the statement has been made, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem of a virgin, the record we have in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, this same Jesus is the very Christ, meaning he wasn't a fraud, he wasn't pretending to be, he literally, truly is the Savior that God has provided for mankind. Look, if you're going to hang your eternity on that, you want to be sure it's true. Amen? I'm going to tell you something that troubles me. Many people treat their belief in Jesus like, like they did when they were 12 and their belief in Santa Claus. I'm beginning to think it's not true, but because I want it to be, I'll pretend it is. I hope you didn't miss what I just said to you. A lot of people who claim to be Christians that treat the truth concerning Jesus as though it might not be true. If it might not be true, we're in trouble. Listen, if you're going to stake your, what's going to take place after you breathe your last breath, 
what's going to happen to your spirit based on the record of this person. You might want to be sure that what you've believed is actually true. Amen? I want truth. And I'm glad that the Spirit of God is truth. He's left a record written. By the way, the Spirit of God is so gracious and kind, He gave us and preserved for us a written record of who Jesus is. So verifiable that all the cynics and critics in the world have been unable to unravel this because it's true. So the documentation of the record. The author of this documentation, or if you would, God said, Jesus, from heaven at the baptism, this is my beloved Son, through silence and darkness on Calvary's cross, he stated the same thing through a veil that was rent in twain. God, heaven spoke and said, this is my Son. The Spirit today has been given to continue to testify what God said of Jesus while he was on this earth is still the truth. He is the Son of God. So the primary witness on the witness stand to say, you know what, Jesus is the Son of God. Today that primary witness is the Holy Spirit. Meaning we don't have rent veils today. We don't have audible voices from heaven today. The Holy Spirit of God gave us a Bible and He gave us preachers and He gave us witnesses. He said that Jesus said the Spirit would testify of Him as would also His disciples. Meaning the primary witness of the present, of the Son of God, Jesus being the Son of God today, is the testimony of His people by the Spirit of God that dwells within them. The temple of the Holy Ghost today are Christians. Do you understand why it's so important for you and I to witness of Jesus Christ? That's what we exist to do. We are to be constantly, by our living and by our words, declaring the truth of the Holy Spirit of God, that Jesus is exactly who God said He is. See, that's people, people are waiting for 900-foot Jesuses in their vision. You're not going to get it. So why don't I hear of people in the Middle East saying, well, I'm having dreams, and now I know Jesus is the Savior. God didn't authorize dreams. He authorized preachers. So you don't think God can give a dream? I do, but most of the people that say they got saved through dreams end up preaching a false Christ. You be careful of that. Muhammad preached of Jesus, but not the Jesus we know. Amen? How many know Jesus is in the Quran? He is a most noble prophet, but he's not the Son of God. And so it's very important for us to understand... The Spirit of God today is the primary witness who's testifying that Jesus is the Son of God. So it says in verse 6, And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, and the Spirit is truth. You know how hard Satan has worked to make the Bible look like a book full of fairy tales? Isn't it amazing to you we live in a world today that they are now fully convinced. And by the way, I say this to Christians all the time, and people say, I don't know, preacher, I am so burdened over people who say they're saved that believe what they hear on the news more than they believe their Bibles. I'm talking about people that ought to know better. People that should know the Bible is more trustworthy than Google and YouTube and Wikipedia. But I'm telling you, there are people that are trusting those sources and their own imagination and the, 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 the concerted effort of news media to run a narrative that is provably false but because they've heard it so many times from so many sources, they say, well, it must be true. And it makes the Bible look like a fairy tale or a book of fables. Satan's been doing this for a long time, trying to project what God declared with absolute certainty as though it is imagination. That's why Peter had to say, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. But that's what the world does. We have people today more convinced that there are aliens about to invade planet Earth 
and zombies are going to come and take over than they are convinced that Jesus ever even existed. Do you realize the, the weight of record? If you were a, if you were a lost as a goose in a snowstorm and didn't have the Spirit of God within you, the weight of historical record that testifies to the fact that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says He is, you've got to be a fool who loves your sin to deny it. Amen. That's the way it works. God has gone to great lengths to confirm that what He said of Jesus Christ is truth. And so then it's the Spirit. You want to say, who do I believe today? Who do I believe today? Believe your Bible. Amen. We are, we are living, especially in this last ten days, it's all the fears are being revived again. Anybody noticed that? Folks are not doing what they're supposed to do, so we've got to use fear once again to manipulate action. By the way, even if you have a legitimate cause, when you use fear to manipulate what you want, you cast doubt on who you are. Every false religion has been operated by using fear to drive its people. Today, humanism is the religion of our day. The priests are operating in political and educational offices and they're using fear to drive people to do things that they would never do if they were in their sound mind. Don't lose what I'm saying to you tonight. So what's the Christian do? The Spirit is truth. If it says it in your Bible, you can trust it. You may or may not be able to trust it if it's on the Internet. You may or may not be able to trust it if it comes through some other source, but if it's in your Bible... You can trust it because the Spirit is truth. And so then the author of the document, if you would, the record is the Holy Spirit. That's verse 6. Verse 7, and he says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. I believe in reference, by the way, a lot of Bibles cut that verse out. A lot of, almost every new translation I'm aware of except the New King James removes that verse from the Bible because they say it's not in the best manuscripts. All right? That's what they say for every time they remove a verse. And there's even good people who've questioned this verse, but it's in your Bible, and God preserved it, therefore you trust it. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Amen? These three are one. What he's saying is there is not one ounce of disparity between what the Father has said and done, what the Word, Jesus Christ, that's what He's declared to be in John chapter 1, who He is, what He has said and done, what the Holy Ghost records. Meaning, because they're one, they all say the same thing. We have one Lord and three persons. I believe this, you in the Old Testament primarily see the Father at work, the author and the originator of all things. That's the Father. And though the Holy Spirit is present in the Old Testament, you hear just little tidbits about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And though God the Son, the Word, is present in the Old Testament, you see Him by typology and by prophecy. You don't see Him plainly declared. Who you see plainly in the Old Testament is the Father. But in the Old Testament, you know who Jesus is declared to be in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 and every other prophecy? In the Old Testament, by the Father, Jesus is declared by prophecy to be the Christ, the Son of God. Melchizedek, a type of Jesus. Uh, the Noah's Ark, a type of Jesus. Abel's Lamb, a type of Jesus. You just walk right on through. Every book in the Old Testament has some foreshadowing, some portrait, some picture. I was hearing a good message about Joseph, the Jacob's son. He's a type of Christ. So the Father has said... Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus comes along, the Word, the manifestation of God in human form. He comes along, and you know who He says He is? I am the Son of God. He ascends to heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes along. You know who the Holy Spirit says He is? 
the Son of God. Heaven has borne record. That man, Jesus, is the Son of God. Believing that, friend, is everything. It's your salvation from hell. It is your salvation from temptation. It is what's going to save you from the fear of the grave and death. i got news for you. I'm 41. I'm thinking, you know, if I live to 80, I'm halfway done. I think I want to think about dying a little bit. I said, preacher, you're morbid. No, it's a reality. And you know what takes? It's just like the Bible says. You know what removes the sting of death? I know who can carry me through that thing. Because he's died and he knows what it's like and he can take my soul and usher it right into his presence. And all of a sudden, oh, I don't like the thought of death. But friend, I'm telling you, there's something glorious about saying, but when I pass that shadow, I'll finally get to see him for real. Face to face. Does that, does that not stir you? You don't have to live and say, I'd rather die. I don't look forward to dying. I want to live as long as I can. But I have hope. You know why? Because we know who he is. We have a clear record that Jesus is exactly who He says He is. You know what? You know why? You know why I can I can have confidence in a wicked, vile world because He said, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." And there's no more comforting thought than believing that Jesus Christ is exactly who He says He is. Hebrews thirteen eight. He is the same yesterday. That's the testimony of the Father. Today, the testimony of the Word. Forever, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. All three are one. So heaven has spoken. The aspects of the record is that we have record in heaven by the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Son of God. We have record on earth. The Bible says in verse uh, verse 8, and there are three that bear witness in earth. By the way, it's the same Greek word as bear record. It's just worded differently here. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, right? the Holy Spirit testified of Jesus and does that He's the Son of God. The Spirit and the water and the blood. We already talked about the water and the blood. And what Jesus accomplished through His water baptism and His shed blood is borne record by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit of God that lifts from the pages of the Old Testament the record of who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit that lifts from the pages of the Gospels who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit that lifts from the pages of the New Testament epistles who Jesus is. And His water and His blood and the Testament and the Holy Spirit all agree to the same thing. He is truly the Son of God. So heaven has said He's the Son of God. Earth says He's the Son of God. And if you're a believer, the very Holy Spirit who's in heaven and on earth is in you telling you that He's the Son of God. Now, why should that be important to us? Because I said earlier, my salvation is only as good as the person who accomplished it for me. And if He's the Son of God, I can not only rely on Him, I can rest in Him. I can rest in Him to finish what He started in me. It was Jesus who sent somebody my way. Happened to be my parents. Happened to be some preachers who came through our church. Happened to be some siblings who had already believed. But it was the Spirit of Jesus Christ who sent somebody to me to tell me, I can save you. Aren't you glad He sent somebody your way? He's still sending us other people's way. When we resist and don't cooperate with Him, the Spirit of God working in us to testify, you know what we're doing? We're just repeating what God's already said. Jesus truly is who the Bible says He is. He's the Son of God. You know why I believe in hell? Because Jesus preached it. You know why I believe in heaven? Because Jesus preached it. I believe in a literal creation because Jesus preached it. I believe Jonah got swallowed by a whale because Jesus preached it. If He said it, that's good enough. He's the Son of God. Amen? You know why I believe in the preservation of Scripture? Because Jesus preached it. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. If God's words are lost somewhere in translation, then Jesus lied. 
right? I told you who he is <laughs> takes care of everything. So the author of the documentation of this record of Christ is the Holy Spirit. The aspects, he's been testified on in heaven by the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, testified on earth by the same Holy Spirit, by the water and the blood, his own accomplishment. Uh, he's testified inside the believer by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so then the agreement is the record of heaven, the record of earth, and the record of the Holy Spirit inside the believer all say the same thing. He truly is the Son of God. God knows how to confirm what he says is true. He's given us multiple evidences. By the way, how do we know Jesus was baptized? The Holy Spirit preserved the record. How do you know he shed his blood? The Holy Spirit preserved the record. It amazes me today to see people that quote the Bible to discredit the Bible. You can't do that. That's against the rules. If you don't believe the Bible, throw it out. If you do, believe it. It's kind of in or out, isn't it? Yeah, but you can't use it to discredit. I mean, that, that doesn't, that's like somebody trying to discredit a, somebody they know is telling the truth. Amen? The authority of this documentation, look at verse 9. It says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For the witness of God, which he hath, for this is the witness of God, which hath testified of his Son. The Old Testament, the record of, of the Father, and of the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and the record of Jesus' own faithfulness to a, a sinless life, and the shedding of his blood, and the dwelling Holy Spirit inside the believer is a testimony that Jesus is exactly who he says. By the way, how do you explain the Holy Spirit? He's a living person who testifies the truth to you. He is an actual, he's actually literally present in the heart of the believer to confirm these things are true. And so then the Bible says he would bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever he said unto us. He said that he would lead us, he would guide us into all truth. And so then Romans 8, 15 and 16 says that his spirit, capital S, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know what? When you're saved, God will always bring you back to the gospel because that's what saved you. You didn't get saved by being confident in your walk. You didn't get, when you got saved, you knew you were going to hell because you didn't live right. If you've never been convinced you're going to hell because of your sins, you need to get saved. No one's going to heaven because they're good. We're going to heaven because Christ is good. And so the point would be this. When you've lost assurance of your salvation, what the Spirit of God is going to do is going to put things in your life. He's going to take you to Scripture and people that are going to give you the gospel and remind you that it's what Christ did for you by dying and paying for your sins. And it's what He's doing for you right now by living and representing you before heaven. When you put your faith in Him, He does the saving. All we do is the trusting. Amen? Isn't that simple? Christ does the saving we do the trusting. If you can trust Jesus, you can be saved. If you can't, then God's a liar. That's what he's going to say next. The fact is the authority of this witness is the record of God, the record of his water and his blood preserved by God, the Holy Spirit, the record of God, whether it be the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. Heaven has borne record that Jesus is the Son of God. And so to not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, verse 10, says that God is a liar. The demand of the record. We've seen the declaration, the water and the blood declare Jesus to be the Son of God. The Holy Spirit bears record in heaven and on earth and in the believer. It's an authoritative record because it's the record that's from God. It's not like man. God has confirmed these things. And number three, though, when God's given us the record of His Son, that demands of us something. If I said to you tonight... 
I am a multimillionaire. You've got to do something with that. Right? If I told you I'm a multimillionaire, Braden, what would you say? You laugh. As all of you do. Because you know good and well that's not true. But if I made that statement with seriousness on my face, you'd have to decide to believe me or call me a liar. Right? If I said tonight, I'm the father of nine children, you'd have to either believe that or call me a liar. How many of you believe me if I said I'm the father of nine children? Right? You know why you believe that? Because you know me. You know what? When God says Jesus is his son, if you already know him, you have any problem with that at all. Right? He's already born. He's already convinced you that's true. For those who question that, what they're saying is God's a liar. So the demand of the record is you either have to believe what he said or you have to reject it. It is that simple. You either have to confess that Jesus is the Son of God or you have to contradict it. Now, many today, especially in our American way, want to have their cake and to eat it too. I used to think that was the dumbest statement, by the way. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I think, well, you can't eat it if you don't have it. Right? Until finally I got a little older and understood. No, no, no. If you eat it, you don't have it anymore. Right? I got it. And people want to eat, have their cake and eat it too. What they want to do is they want the credibility of believing God while maintaining the comfort and the, the unbelief of calling him a liar. And I believe as our nation becomes less Christian, people will be more honest about what they really believe about Jesus Christ. Most people in America don't really believe he's the son of God. If they did, we wouldn't be such a vile nation. Most people say they do, but they don't really. Those who truly believe the Son of God live like He's the Son of God. They live like He's going to come again. Why would we live like He's coming again? Mm, Because He said He would. He said, if I go, I will come again, John chapter 14. If you truly believe He's the Son of God, you'd have a problem believing that. If you, believe, if you treat people that reject him like they're going to hell, I spoke to a man a couple weeks ago. He says, agnostic. Before we left, I said, you know, he's, he's upset and tells us to leave. Jim, was, I think we were together on that one. And he says, um, he says, well, you're coming around here trying to argue with me. I said, if you think I'm here to argue with you, you misunderstand. I'm not here to argue with you. But what I'm telling you, I'm sure is true. And I know that if you reject it, you're going to hell. Now, what kind of a person am I if I know you're going to hell and I say nothing about it? If Jesus is the Son of God, unbelievers are going to hell. That's why I say most people don't really think about him being the Son of God because do we really think unbelievers, when they die, are going to hell? Hmm. If he's the Son of God, that's the truth. And he is the Son of God. And that was his record. So the point is, we either have to confess him or contradict him. John, 1 John five ten. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Meaning you've received the Holy Spirit and he'll continue to testify that he is who you've trusted him to be. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Those who believe that Jesus is not God in the flesh are saying that God's a liar. On every count. Say, well, no, because uh, the Bible's been mistranslated. No, you're saying God's a liar. He said he'd preserve his words. Well, no, no, no. The truth is, God's word is very clear on who Jesus is. We either believe him and confess it. That's what it means in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That doesn't mean one day we decided Jesus is Lord. One day we realize that's exactly who God said he is, and we said God's right, he is Lord. He is the Savior, and he's the only way. 
and I'm willing to confess, I'm willing to agree with God concerning, I'm willing to say, God, I believe you concerning Jesus Christ, that there is salvation in none other. There's no other way or means of salvation. That's what confession of him is. It's not that if thou shalt confess all thy sins, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Why would we believe that? Because God said so. But confession is simply to say God is right. I believe him. He says, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness. From the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May I say this? You can say, man, I want the salvation, but I'm not convinced that everything the Bible says about Jesus is true. Then you can't have salvation. Either believe God or call him a liar. Isn't that pretty black and white? It is. There's a reason for that. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He didn't muddy the waters. He made it very clear this is who Jesus is. Some people say, I don't believe in the virgin birth. That's impossible. Well, of course it's impossible. That's why he was born that way. It was a miracle. <laughs> so was the resurrection impossible. So was living a sinless life impossible. But he did it all because he's God. I'm glad about that tonight. That stirs me up. <laughs> Amen? Say, what else stirs me up? People will say, well, I don't believe it. That's their prerogative. But they'll perish for that. You know what? We're all perishing because we're sinners. But what the ultimate? So what's the ultimate sin? Rejection of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate sin because it'll keep all your other sins hanging over you. Until you come to personal faith in Jesus Christ, your guilt is not cleared. He is the Son of God. He shed His blood in payment for our sin. He willingly submitted to the death, burial, and resurrection and accomplished it. And he didn't do it so we could have something to do on Thursday night. He did it to save our souls from sin. And if you're here tonight and he has saved you, your heart is filled with gratitude, or at least it should be. Amen? For the fact that the Son of God came down to us and did what he came to do. I don't know about you tonight. I'm glad it's not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And I'm glad that God has left us a clear record so we can know what to believe. Amen? If I didn't know Jesus was coming again right now, I would be filled with dread. No wonder the world is filled with fear tonight. There's no true hope, but we have hope. He's coming again. 